Hello and welcome to Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman. I'm Judy. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. We're so excited to have you. And if you've been here before, welcome back. Selling in a Skirt is all about connection. It's all about community and it's all about relationships. We try to make sure that women feel empowered to do the things that they do best the way that they do best. And we also encourage men to be champions and advocates and sponsors for women. It's a really big deal when we find the right men because they raise their hand and they say, I want to be part of this. So it's very exciting. Well, what I love most about this actually is getting to meet the most amazing men and women and bring them onto the show as my guest. And today is absolutely no different. So I am thrilled and honored to bring you Faith Teope. And I'm going to read just a little bit about her. So, Faith is a multimedia journalist, an author, an active, an active, I can't even speak, active advocate and retirement industry expert serving as the visionary and CEO of Leverage Retirement, the 401k and ESOP provider inspired by people. Now, that's a mouthful, but I'm going to let Faith tell a little bit more about this piece, all the pieces of her amazing career. So, Faith, I'm super excited to have you here. Thank so you welcome. for having me. I am thrilled. And I want you to just tell everybody who you are, what you do, and why you love what you do. Oh, yes. Well, uh, simply, I am a businesswoman. And I have things that take, um, I call them channels of my attention. One channel of my business is 401ks and ESOPs, as you mentioned. Uh, we want every company to have a 401k for their people, but our primary focus is with banks. That's our specialty, both private and public. Mm -hmm. The second channel of business that gets my attention is my work with children and the people that raise them. Right now we have a great project that we're working on that we're excited about, financial literacy. And then the third channel that gets my attention is media. I am a contributing writer for Safe and Harm's Way, and I have a podcast that airs live on Clubhouse for 401k experts. And then I have an investigative podcast that is in tangent with uh, the financial literacy project that I'm working on that is now a mini-series podcast called Savvy. Amazing, amazing, amazing. So we also know that there's always a backstory. You didn't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to do all these channels. It doesn't happen like that. So what's your backstory? Like what got you started on this path for you? So what's your origin story? I think that it really has to date back to this time when I was in elementary school. And I was going to school in the Philippines and I asked my mom for money to buy a snack at school. And without missing a beat, she told me, I will not give you money to buy a snack at school. I will give you money. You can go to the market, buy something to sell to your friends and eat your profit. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved it. I did not eat my profit, but that is definitely the point where I can say the person I am today was birthed in that moment. And I think that you mentioned the path, I, the path that really got me here we all have different experiences in our life mm -hmm. and my children really shaped that path because I didn't want them to relive the traumatic experiences that I have in my life so everything that I do is about teaching them the perspective that I want them to have the mindset the ability to be curious to ask the right questions and to not stop till you get an answer you know, it's really interesting that you say that because most of the time, you know, as children, we are very curious. We really are. We ask a million questions. I know my kids ask millions of questions. I know I ask millions of questions because I'm the question queen. Yes. 
but some something happens and we stop asking questions. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that you are, you know, so open with your kids and, and telling them, just ask me the questions and I can give you what's gonna follow that. But why do you think that we stop being so curious? Like what what happens? Because it just like there's like a switch. Boop, okay, no more curiosity. <laughs> You know, I think part of it is survival. Mm-hmm. I, I really have to wonder if part of it is, you know, we get so stuck in the focus of getting to where we think that we're supposed to be going that we just tune all the other things out. We don't give pause to curiosity. We don't give pause to say, it's always been done this way. Maybe there's a different way to do right. it, As, especially and even so when something is working well, because it doesn't mean that it's working the best it could be, but we kind of ignore it. Yeah, and that's that's, yeah hard to figure out. That's the million dollar question about why it happens. Mm-hmm. But I want to I want to ask you a question. You wear many hats. You are known as the naked professional. You're a 401k specialist. You're an advocate for domestic abuse. You made the leap to show up as severely you and you're a mom of four who is the most amazing role model for them, I might say. And I know you have other pieces to the puzzle. But sort this out for us. How do you do it all? Because we all have the same amount of time and some of us run out of time and some of us finish everything and you seem to have it all you know working and sometimes it's hard to believe that you have four children on top of all the other things that you do so how do you do that uh, sometimes I don't <laughs> <laughs> and I think that the thing that has worked for me is I realize that the only way that I can sustain what I'm doing is if I badly want it if I am deeply interested in it because it it strikes a personal chord with me, I'm gonna make it happen. Mm -hmm. And so we find the times to do what we want to do. And so I will only operate in the things that I really, really feel passionate about. And what happens to the other stuff? You just dismiss it. Hmm, how do you do that? (laughs) Sometimes it's hard because it's still so interesting, but I have to check in with myself. Am I going to be interested in this in five years? I try to visualize for myself, will this energy wane? Mm -hmm. And I kind of try to test to see how deeply passionate, am I just seeing an opportunity or am I actually passionate? And does it line up with the things that are, the values that I'm holding true, the the things that I already have going on, does it line up with that? Okay, I have so many questions, so many questions, but I, I really need to just jump. I just really need to jump right now because you talked about financial literacy. How important is financial literacy with what all the things that you're doing? Where does that piece come in? Like how all of a sudden is that mostly your, you know, your biggest priority right now? Why is that? The reason it is uh, the, most, uh, the most important thing to me right now is because what I realize is finances are very black and white. Mm-hmm. So there's really, sure there are lots of ways that you can skin a cat when it comes to finances, but there's really only one right way Uh, not being in the red, (laughs) you know, not being in debt, okay? Um, And so you can have some questions that tell you something about your life or your partner. And um, when I was working um, on the front lines with domestic abuse, I realized that it's a very intrusive conversation for people. But when I talk about finances, it's a little bit more of an approachable topic as compared to domestic abuse, because a lot of times right. victims don't accept that they are being abused because our brain is so incredible. It tells us a story that we want to hold on to so that we can live, survive, and thrive. So, But when we talk about finances, then we don't have to worry about, I'm not trying to get you to break up with your 
significant other. I'm not trying to break up your family. We're just talking about your finances. So I see it as first signs. And money touches every aspect of our life. Why Absolutely. isn't it the attention? Why isn't the primary attention? And why isn't it a sexier conversation? And so when I'm thinking about shoring my kids up, I want them to know that our emotions, our relationships, all of those things have to do with money. It's not my life and then, oh, I need to deal with my finances. So financial literacy to me should be woven through everything because we can't live without it. Okay, so let's take your children for a moment. How do you raise savvy kids when they, when they actually understand what it means to have some kind of concept about money? I mean, you know, when you're little, you're given, here's a dollar, mm -hmm. go and spend it, and you spend it. And then there are other kids that hold on to that dollar for the rest of their lives. We know that. Yes. But really, how, how, how are you able to make sure that they understand the importance of money, but that not everything revolves around money? Because there's a big difference between that. Money is important, but not everything revolves around money. So how do you get it so the kids understand how important it is, but then they also have other things that they're excited about. Yes, well, because it's not about money, it's about what the money can do. Mm -hmm. And so with kids, and I think that with kids or adults, it doesn't really matter, it's a communication conversation. We're talking about how do we communicate about money. Uh, with kids, uh, it can accidentally, if we push terminology, it can accidentally turn into either treasure storing or spending like monopoly money. They don't grasp the value. Right. So when it comes to kids, and I really think that maybe we should all go back to this, it's understanding value of, uh, of things, energy, time, you know, our emotions and money. Those are all tied in together. So I think teaching the value of their energy and their time, how they spend it, is the key to teaching them financial concepts. Okay, so get ready because we are going to publicly broadcast something. April 22nd is coming up. Tell me what April 22nd means to you personally, to your children, and to the concept of financial literacy. Well, April 22nd is National Teach a Kid to Save Day, which I thought was such an appropriate time to launch uh, a project that my kids and I have been working on together. It's been so amazing to do this alongside my kids, but it started out to be um, just something that we were working inside of our house, mm -hmm. trying to figure out how do we get you know, responsible, how do I get some help as a single mom, uh, some help for laundry, you know, cleaning the house, and help them understand the finances. So uh, we've been working on a financial literacy book. It's a children's story <laughs> that teaches, it well, it lays the foundation for financial literacy in a, in a fun and entertaining way. It's, it's fun to watch them giggle about it, and I'm so excited to launch that. It launches on April 22nd. See, April 22nd, it's coming up. <laughs> How did they respond to, you know, doing a book project with you and to financial literacy? You know, were they, shocked or were they excited or what, what what's going on there involving them in the process the entire way kept them so engaged i mean i had them do the artwork for the different pages i had them i would read the story to them and then i would have them read it with their inflection and they would say oh this is this changed this this is funnier and i mean i have four beta testers to tell me what's <laughs> really? working and what's not and then we talk about reward systems and i got them involved in well what would be meaningful to you 
And so they felt a lot of ownership. Mm -hmm. And so their names will be on the books. And it's so fun to see their art come alive now with a uh, professional illustrator. But to see their artwork come alive in the book has been exciting for them. So they're all about the system because they were involved in it. So, and what's your, what's your hope for this book? What, what do you want this to do? What kind of impact are you looking to make? And who is the audience? You know, I think that the audience, though it's a children's book, this is really for children and the people who raise them. Mm -hmm. And it, what I'm hoping to get from it is true impact for these families, whatever that may be a non-traditional family setup. But I love how I'm seeing it operate in my own household and the idea that maybe it could affect other people's families or children and set them up for um, an accelerated progress, you know, a different trajectory for them just excites me to no end because I deeply from the, th as far back as I can even think. I've always wanted people to really believe in their possibilities, believe in their potential. And I think that creating these opportunities, financial literacy concepts, putting that in their mind that I can earn $20,000 at whatever age, you know, it's amazing to see that they think that it's very doable. Mm -hmm. They see it as doable and they don't even know how to make the money. They don't know, they don't have a job, they're underage. I was you just know? gonna say, just remember, you understand these kids are, they're not teenagers. No, this is for the age group of five to 11. Mm -hmm. So to realize, to see them realize that it is actually attainable to change their financial structure to, they don't even know these words, financial structure, but to be able to think I can dream big and I can make these things happen, that just lights me up. I am so excited. Now with this whole launch and everything, there's also another piece. There's a series that you're doing around financial literacy and you're bringing in people that have different perspectives. So it's not just about, you know, do you understand about finances or anything like that? You're bringing in people that are looking at this a little bit differently. So talk mm -hmm. about savvy because that's, you know, something that's really exciting that can go way past the book. Yes, I, I love this. It's an investigative miniseries, and I love it because it is showcasing the fact that financial literacy isn't for financial experts to come in and talk to everyone about all the financial acumen they're supposed to have, so hurry up and study this. Mm -hmm. This is about getting different people's perspective on what how it impacts you. And I love being able to talk to people who are in healthcare, in leadership, who are doing things, building products for children. All of them have such a surprising correlation to financial concepts. And that's why I think it's important to showcase these different perspectives because it will resonate with someone and it will click for that parent or that guardian or that teacher to say, oh, I, that's what I need to do for my set of kids. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, the series is going to be phenomenal. Is it out yet or when is it coming out? It is not out yet, but it will be by the end of April, awesome. right alongside the book. Well, what do you think of that? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I want to go back now to my favorite topic, which are women, because you are a professional businesswoman. You do a lots of different things. And I am certain that you weren't always able to just do things, that you had to really you know, put your, sit yourself down and say, I can do this, just like you're teaching your kids. And what was it that helped you? Because 
you're always put together. I mean, every time I talk to you, you're always together. Whether you're not really or not, it doesn't matter. But how do you get yourself to that mindset? Even though it's hard, you make it look easy. And yeah. that, I think that's the beauty of it. So what is it that you do that makes it happen? And what happens when it doesn't happen? Like, how do you get yourself out of it? Because it's not always the easiest thing. Yeah, well, thank you for the compliment. Yes, sometimes <laughs> it's a dumpster fire inside, but you know, lipstick's on. <laughs> I, I think that uh, a, there's a misconception that sometimes when you're going through dark times or very, very difficult days or a lot of chaos, that you can't get enough done. And I, I think, I mean, this is just my opinion, but I think that it's, um, it needs to have a turn of phrase there, mm -hmm. where instead we're saying, I'm giving it my all, I'm giving my 100%, because you may have no gas left in the tank, but if you just do something, that's still progress. And so when I have those rough spots where it's like the things are going crazy, sometimes I just have to have a list of three to five things. They may not be the right priority order. They may not even be the most strategic way for me to use my time, but I'm getting things done. And I'm always making progress. I think that's important knowing that I have dependents. So maybe I have the luxury of having four children and being a single mom that I am forced to, to do things. be an example. Okay, but what happens when the imposter starts knocking at your door that you want to evict and you just have to tell yourself, I can do this? Mm. Where, do you, where does that come from? Like, because a lot of women in business, I mean, we all feel like imposters half the time. You know, I, I remember being asked to do um, a big event. I said yes immediately without even thinking about it. Mm. But when I got home and I looked to see who else was on that, <laughs> You know, on the scoreboard there, I'm like, I cannot do this. I am not, you know, smart enough. I'm not well known enough. I'm not this enough. I'm not tall enough. Whatever the enough is, I was not. And um, and I talked to my coach, and you know, they said basically like, put on your big girl panties. They asked you, you didn't ask them. You know, like they they want you. You have a great message. You know, you, and all the things you want to hear. And I had to really like talk to myself mm -hmm. to get me to do it. Once I did it, it was amazing. I loved, loved, loved it. But I almost talked myself out of it because I wasn't feeling it. So what do you do when you get to that point where you're thinking, okay, you know, my kids are great and I can do this and I've got these priorities and I'm moving forward, but I feel like an imposter. Mm. Well, I feel like what works for me is identifying what that fear is or mm -hmm. what I'm nervous about because then that means that what's on the other side of it is that's what I actually wanted. So I remember so, I mean, vividly, the feeling of being an imposter that people would find out I'm not an expert you know I was a, a young 401k expert and I thought they're not gonna see me that way and I'm not I'm not one anyways but what I realized was I want to be seen as an expert so mm -hmm. now what's working for me is to identify whatever's coming up and then deciphering what that what that actually means in my mind. So I can kind of tell what's going on in my mind. Oh, okay, I'm, it's because I'm wanting this. You know, I can get rid of the fact that I don't, I don't know when it happened that I evicted the imposter syndrome. I still have the feelings, but I now know what they mean. Ooh, that's a big step because <clears throat> even women, like Maya Angelou had said when she wrote her 14th book, Oh my God, now they're going to figure it out that they don't really <laughs> yes. know anything. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter who you are because right. it happens all the time and it yes. happens at the most inopportune time. You know, you're just like, what the heck? But um, 
So what would you say to women in, in leadership positions? You're the CEO of your company. You know, you suffer from it. I'm the president of my company. I suffer from it. What would you say to women just to get them to calm down a little bit that it's okay? Well, I think that maybe let go of needing to be that perfect thing. Mm. And maybe we need to give ourselves grace. You know, we say we're an imposter. Well, why not just own where we are? Why are we expecting so much perfection from ourselves? I feel like I'm speaking to myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> it works. Yes. I think, it's, I think we do need to give ourselves more grace. We don't have to know everything, every answer to everything. I run a 401k and ESOP company. I don't have every ESOP answer. It's a very tricky set of retirement plans. But you have people that you can yes. ask. Yes. Now, when you ask, do you ever feel like you're thinking you don't know what you're talking about? No, not anymore, because I'm grateful that I don't need to be the expert in that area because I need my brain somewhere else. Okay, so you also make uh, 401k and ESOPs for lack of a better word, sexy. Mm -hmm. You know, you have a, a, a program a, you know, on Clubhouse, Pull to Refresh. Yes. How did that happen? And how is it that people are like, oh my God, I can't wait to hear about ESOP, about 401k. <laughs> people, people are going and people are returning all the time to listen to you. So where did that come from? Yes, it's very exciting. Uh, well, back in the day when we did a lot of traveling before the pandemic, um, there, we would have these pockets of people. We'd stop each other in the hall and have great conversation about the way of technology or the way of the mm -hmm. policies that are upcoming, legislation changes. Exciting things. Very exciting, very nerdy things. <laughs> but we got to explore and do things without being governed by everyone's compliance department. So we could have very candid conversations like, what the heck is going on with this data? You know, why, why are payroll companies not cleaning this up? Why are we having so much trouble with all? You know, those nerdy questions. And so when the pandemic hit, we didn't have those pockets where we could talk about those things. So I like to push buttons. And so on that show, I like to explore the things that are working and some things that are very obviously not working and test it through the fire and see, will it hold up? And because I don't have a compliance department governing me, I get to say whatever I want. And I think that that's kind of exciting to uh, the finance sector that is so heavily, you know, regulated, regulated. You, you can't talk, your mouth is covered, people have their thumb on you. So I think it, that's what makes it exciting is we can explore just candidly. Well, you know, when I have the opportunity to listen in, I'm always amazed at, you know, the conversation because it's so it, it's so lively. And I'm thinking, where am I now? Because <laughs> it doesn't actually make sense to me that. But I remember, you know, when I first started out, you know, in 1990 with insurance, I remember being so excited about insurance. People would say, how are you excited about this? <laughs> I said, I don't know. There's just something about it that gets me going. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm able to protect people and I'm able to do this with people. So I'd be excited. But when I sit and I listen to, you know, all those conversations, I, I actually like internally, I'm giggling because I'm thinking, oh my God, this reminds me of why, why it was so exciting. Are you going to add to the show? Are you going to continue the show? What are you going to do with that? Yes, I'm so far rocking along. It seems to be exactly the fit that people are looking for. So I've been bringing on guests that are outside the industry as well as in the industry who are really willing to either uh, challenge something themselves or be challenged. And so I prepare them. I hope you have rhino skin <laughs> because I don't hold back. Uh, one guy came on who has a podcast that it has this kind of a sports theme to his finance discussions. Mm -hmm. And he 
he revealed that he wants to work with high school and college students or that let that be their audience. And I asked him point blank, do you think you're still relevant at your age? <laughs> just to, I'm curious what his thoughts were and how he would answer it. And so I just try to prepare people who come on as guests. <laughs> Wait, what was his answer? <laughs> he said, oh, I hope so. <laughs> That's hysterical. That's hysterical. But those are the kind of questions that you ask. Yes. And, and the conversation keeps going. That's the fun part. Right. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> gloves are off. The gloves are off. <laughs> so tell me what the rest of 2023 is looking like for you. What What are you most excited about? This book. Oh, it's, it is, I mean, taking so much center stage of my life right now, watching my kids get involved with it and teaching them business skills alongside it, watching some of them have a natural proclivity to marketing. That's just so exciting. And then to be able to talk to presidents of the PTO or talk to banks or different financial institutions, um, former NBA players, it's amazing to watch them light up because they see it a little bit differently mm -hmm. of how that book could impact the people that they're involved with. So that's that's just, you know, keeping me really going right now. Okay, so when you are a bestseller um, after April 22nd, then what? What are you gonna do with it? What are you gonna do with the book? I, I think it needs a, a follow-up. Oh. <laughs> I yeah. think we need to tap into the emotional side of things. And I think there's so much that goes hand in hand with behavior and finances. So I think that will be my next focus. And where do you think the parents are gonna find the value? Do you think they're gonna find the value of reading the story to their children? Do you think they're gonna find the value in themselves of things that maybe they should be doing differently? Because you know, when you talk about reward systems, um, we all like to be rewarded. And what are we gonna, you know, what are you gonna tell the parents? Like, why is this so important for you? Because they're gonna feel something different. Maybe they're gonna feel gypped that they didn't have it. Yes, I hope so. <laughs> I hope that this gives them an extra umph to the to the parenting that they're already doing. And we're working so hard as parents to raise our kids to be the best and most successful that they can possibly be. I hope this just gives them an extra umph, and I hope they feel that. So I put parent resources in there, and I'm hoping that they'll feel fueled by it. Mm -hmm. Maybe it'll even give them a different perspective of how to think about whether it's behavior or even their behavioral finances that they've got going on. Interesting. Interesting. I can't wait for this to happen and all unfold because there's so many pieces. <laughs> I know. It's going to be incredible. But at the same time, you're doing something for yourself. Mm -hmm. So what are you doing for yourself? Well, I'm back on the competitive circuit for bodybuilding. That's something that I've just always loved doing. And it, I feel like I'm finding myself again. I have a competition coming up in two weeks. And of course, it's the same weekend as the book launch. Of course. <laughs> Why would you do anything differently? I don't know. Why would I? So <laughs> it felt perfect. Well, that's good. And we definitely wish you the best. Thank the you. Best with everything, with everything. So where can our listeners find more about you, the book, your competition, 401ks, ESOP, pull to refresh, <laughs> naked professional? Yes. I could just keep naming, you know, the, the list keeps going longer and longer. Yes. Uh, and I, oh man, the publication, The Naked Professional is one of my favorites right now too. Uh, but faithtope.com is the fastest way to find me on all the things. I'm on all social media and you can find my companies there and the book. And the book will be coming out shortly. Yes. So any last words, anything else you want to make sure you let everybody hear? I 
would love to just remind everyone to give themselves grace that we can do it all because we don't have to do it all every single day. Yes, and being perfect is very boring. It is boring. It is. I love that. <laughs> being perfect is boring. It, it, I mean, you're there, where are you going to go? You're perfect. Mm -hmm. You know, and it doesn't last long because what happens after you're perfect? There's only one place to go. You can't be perfect, perfect. Mm -hmm. You have to go down. So let's just do yes. away with this and let's be imperfectly perfect. I like that. I love that actually. Yes, yes. I think that's what we should do. So. Well, thank you so much for being with me yes. today. I'm super excited. I can't wait for everybody to find out about the whole book launch. And everybody get ready because we're all going to push it out together. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was a great conversation. Thank you. And thank you for being with us today on Selling in a Skirt, where we talk to the most amazing women and men. And we're just excited about sharing their messages. So tune in next time. And until you see who we have next, see you then. Thank you.